Welcome to the Wealth Experience podcast series where our subject matter experts provide the latest updates on what's happening in the world around us. Brought to you by BMO Private Wealth. Hello, everyone. My name is Sylvain Brisbois, and I'm a Senior Vice President and National Sales Manager with BMO Private Wealth. Today, I'm here with Leslie Marks, Chief Investment Officer and Head of Investment Management for BMO Private Wealth. Leslie, let me recap the recent unfoldings here. COVID-19 becomes major concern in early 2020. Markets come down quickly to find the bottom in the second half of March. We recover from those levels that some optimism returns on the eventual resolution of this pandemic, but many questions remain on the future economic situation. Some are more positive, of course, but some are still fearing a possible depression. It's this point that I'd like to discuss with you today. You're providing caution to those who are drawing parallels between today and the Great Depression of the 1930s, and I'm interested in your perspective, so let's begin. We keep hearing the word unprecedented to describe the current situation. Do you agree with that description? Well, Sylvain, it is true that many things have occurred over the past few months that are truly unrivaled with history. For example, the response to this global pandemic was an unprecedented self-induced global economic shutdown as social distancing measures were implemented worldwide. We, of course, as you referenced, experienced that historic correction in equities with what we would describe as the fastest 30% drawdown in stock prices on record in March or early March. And then we also experienced the rapid recovery, which technically started a new bull market as stocks surged more than 20% off their bottom level. Recently, we also saw commodity benchmarks such as the WTI oil futures trade at a negative value, also an unprecedented market event. Today, we got another glimpse of how unprecedented things are with employment numbers in Canada and the U.S. Within the span of one month, we've basically gone from 50-year lows in unemployment to 50-year highs, or more than 50-year highs, actually, in unemployment. U.S. unemployment rose to almost 15% with a drop of 20 million in payrolls, and Canada also lost 2 million jobs in April, pushing its unemployment rate to 13%. So, yes, Sylvain, I would say it's hard to disagree with the view that this is an unprecedented time. Okay, thank you. If this period is, in fact, uh, truly unprecedented, then why do we see so many comparisons between the Great Depression, uh, it seems to be all over the media these days. You're so right. And it is sort of a bit of a paradox, isn't it, Sylvain, to, to call this time unprecedented and then compare it with the Great Depression? As we know, the Great Depression was, in fact, the longest and deepest downturn in the history of our modern industrial economy. And we are going to see an unprecedented fall in our economy this quarter as well. I mentioned the recent numbers on unemployment, which is climbing at its fastest rate in history. And also earnings are expected to fall significantly. Comparisons with the Great Depression are common headlines in the media because it makes such a great attention-grabbing story to say, not since the Great Depression. But my fear is that this will cause people to extrapolate that things might be as bad as the Great Depression, and that risks inciting panic 
with investors. And even just today, when the job numbers came out for Canada and the U.S., the CNN headline that went across my screen was worst month for jobs since the Great Depression. So it is true that there are some similarities in terms of extreme market moves and plunging economic data experienced in the Great Depression era. But we think that the similarities end there. Thank you. And now you've touched on it a little bit, but very specifically, what gives you comfort that we're not heading into another Great Depression scenario? Well, I think we have to recognize that there are some important distinctions in how the economic shock started, first of all, and then the extensive actions being taken by our policymakers worldwide to bridge the economic gap. In 1929, central bank policy was a relatively new concept without experience or testing that was needed to support an economic recovery from such a severe downturn that, such as the one we're experiencing today. So as a result, there was very little or no coordinated central bank response. So no material action took place to enact what we would describe as easy monetary policy to support the financial system, uh, namely quantitative easing or asset purchases to support the system. Contrast that with today, where you had central bankers acting swiftly both to cut interest rates as well as purchasing assets to support liquidity in our financial system. The quantitative easing that was used effectively in 2008 was really a result of the learnings from the depression area financial system collapse. So the lack of central bank policy response in the Great Depression actually contributed to the bank failures that are marked by this period in history. A second distinction is that during the Great Depression, the governments were still so focused on achieving balanced budgets that they waited years before they enacted fiscal stimulus, in effect delaying the potential for recovery. It was only until the government instituted the New Deal in 1933 under President Franklin D. Roosevelt that the economy started to recover when they realized that contributing fiscal spending without a requirement to offset with increased taxation actually would help to bring the economy out of its deep depression. Now, contrast that with the recent period. Over the last two months, governments around the world have moved quickly to make a staggering amount of money in the trillions of dollars of relief available to both individuals and businesses to bridge the economic gap. Okay, very good. Now, there's a few different ways to recall some of the stories from those days. We can do a little bit of research, or we can talk to our parents or grandparents about life after the Great Depression. Anecdotes of stockpiling and saving for a rainy day. Do you think that consumer behaviors will shift here post the COVID recovery? Well, again, we're really in uncharted territory here, but I think it's realistic to assume that we will see some changes in behaviors. I do believe that consumers will increase their savings rate, which will have a negative drain on the economy. You will also probably see some changes in preferences towards borrowing. Extremely low interest rates have encouraged the use of leverage and perhaps too much leverage in in some cases. And even though rates are even lower today than they were two to three months ago, 
people may not be so inclined to extend themselves as they have in the past now that they've lived through this tail risk event. Interesting. And would you say there's other historical periods that can provide a little bit of a roadmap? We've, this isn't the first time that the markets go up and down. It's, it's a severe one. But what other periods would you would you compare this to? Well, I think that we may not be able to point to one single period in history to draw our roadmap for the future, but it does make sense to take the learnings or experiences from several different periods in history. And I'll give you a couple examples. When you look at the global financial crisis, this helps us to see the impact that quantitative easing can have on maintaining proper functioning of our financial system. So I referenced that in our discussion around comparing today with policy during the Great Depression. Also, COVID-19 is an exogenous shock that happened in the midst of an economy that was actually performing pretty well. We described it in January as more of a Goldilocks economy, not too hot, not too cold, moderate growth, low inflation, healthy employment, The post-9-11 economic downturn and recovery provides some insight into how an economy can recover from an exogenous shock or one that certainly shatters consumer confidence, similar to COVID-19 in that sense. And 9-11 really showed us, or the aftermath of 9-11, really showed us the resilience of the consumer. Yes, of course, there were sectors of the economy that took longer to come back, like travel and tourism, but consumer confidence was generally restored quite quickly. So we can't count the consumer recovery out here. Rarely are there two periods that are exactly the same, but understanding the parallels and the distinctions between all of these periods is really important for us to understand how the recovery may unfold, and to provide the confidence that we need to believe that there will be a recovery. Well, some encouraging words. Thank you so much. As always, uh, thank you for your time and your perspective. Your highly valued resources, not only to our wealth professionals, but to our clients, and that's certainly something that we don't have to mention again. Uh, in times like these, we really count on you to help us navigate through the volatility, so thank you. And for our clients listening, I'm a firm believer that knowledge is power, and in markets like these, knowledge is critical to our peace of mind. Leslie also recently published an article titled, Beware of Drawing the Parallel Between Today and the Great Depression. It's what we spoke about today. But please speak to your wealth professionals if you'd like to see a copy of that. Thank you also for your trust and for keeping in regular contact with your BMO professionals. Above all, stay well. Take good care of yourself. Thank you so much, Leslie. And thank you, everybody, for listening today. This podcast series has been brought to you by BMO Private Wealth. Please join us again.